0: How many of you ever heard of Apostle Paul? (laughs) He was a pretty interesting character. He was about as Jewish as you could get. Persecuting the church to the death. Now there's a triple A personality. There's a guy with fire in his bones. But when he got literally knocked off his horse by the Holy Spirit... He was smart enough to respond very quickly with the words, Lord, that's a great start. Lord, who are you? Our God, as you just heard, is a compassionate God. And unfortunately, sometimes... Because of our own flaws, and we've all got them, you know, and I know you know that, we all know we do. We very often do not see people with his his eyes, with his heart. And it's one of the burdens that I continue to carry as I Travel. But the comfort that I get from the Holy Spirit, God the, as I said earlier, God the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He also brings that conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment. And I don't know if you noticed even in the passage that our sister just read, you, you see the compassion and the mercy of God, the, the provision of God. I'm going to console you. And through you, going to bring healing. Uh, I think King James renders it a restorer of the paths to dwell in. But of course, God was speaking to a people who about 80% of the Old Testament, he personally put in exile because of their sins. Now, how many of you know that you may absolutely hate what your kids do, but you still love your kids? Yeah, okay. And how many of you know, I mean I, I can't tell you, the most angry I ever got in my life toward my children was when my oldest and younger daughter, who were natural born by my wife and I, were persecuting our ornery i mean ornery over the top downright nasty and incorrigible adopted daughter our middle daughter who by the way we named and brought home from the hospital three days after she was born to a mama who was basically an unpaid prostitute and it was either abortion or glenn and wendy are going to adopt this baby she gave us that ultimatum at 2 in the morning. And we, we talked to about it for 30 seconds. And I mean, you know. In the early days of Operation Rescue, I sat in jail in Georgia and in Chicago, blocking abortion clinics and praying for mercy. So I may sound like an old leftist hippie, and I am. Make no mistake about it. But some of you all talk pro-life, and you don't do anything about it. When my, when my daughters went off on her, oh, and she asked for it. And one of them actually said, well, you're not really our sister anyway. And I'm telling you, talk about the fruit of self-control in, in daddy's life. Boy, did it have to manifest itself then. And she, of course, is devastated. You said, but It's true. Well, it's true, a lot, not all. It's true, a lot of Muslims are militant and don't have a problem flying planes into buildings and so forth. Got that. It's true. Somebody seems to be, I think his name is Lord Jesus, commands me to love my enemies. How do you work that out? Or do you just say, well, it's true. Kill them all and let God sort them out, right? That's somebody's son. That's somebody's daughter. They have a name. One of the nastiest persecutors of the church came to salvation A series of miracles happen and through him the Holy Spirit writes most of the New Testament and I'll tell you the transformation that is is taking me and all of us a lifetime as long as we have on the planet to breathe and it's this Paul came so into what I would call practical sanctification being set apart being different being more like having the nature of Father, Son, Spirit. The Holy Spirit, by the way, is first of all holy, and He's the Spirit of truth. Well, it's true. Love your hero, Israel, here. That's the first word. Isn't that interesting? The, the word disciple means a listener, a learner in the Greek. Hear, Israel, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Who are you, Lord? I got worship you. Okay, now you're getting it right. The Lord, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And the second most important commandment is just like it. What? Just like it? You shall love your neighbor as your... What if your neighbor is a Muslim? What if your neighbor is black? What if your neighbor is some buck bucktooth redneck with a 12-gauge and a bad attitude, man? Kicks your dog... You know, kill them all. Not on my property. Look, I shoot. I hunt. I'm not a pacifist. I'm going to kill little tree bacons, little fat fox squirrels in about a week, Lord willing, in the woods in Illinois. I grew up in the sticks. I'm as comfortable as you could possibly be in a deer stand in the middle of hick, redneck. I am the NRA and I vote right all the time. Every, I'm as red as red can be. No, you ain't. People like you killed Native Americans all over this country for their land. It's okay if you're the wrong color or is it? It's okay if you're poor, or is it? We talk about the love of Jesus as though we actually love people. Why does he command me to love? Doesn't, doesn't that come naturally now that I'm saved and filled with the Spirit? Paul went from where he was, a murderer, a spiteful, hateful, bitter. He was fulfilling with... He was fulfilling himself prior to his salvation and knowing Jesus as the Messiah. He was fulfilling the very words of Christ where Jesus says, there will come a time when men will kill you thinking they are doing God's service. I support the military. I do not support every deployment. And I've seen people in both parties throughout my lifetime and a whole lot of other Time before I was born where I'm going that was that seems to line up with scripture and make sense and that was not about love or compassion and it wasn't a just war. Now you'd have to discuss with me which wars and which deployments we're talking about but the last time I checked the military don't deploy themselves and I have agreed and disagreed with deployments on both ends of the spectrum. We want it clean and neat. But this is a sinful, messy world and we're in a sinful, messy church and you and I are sinful, messy people and we better confess those truths and ask forgiveness or we better not take communion because we may start choking on the other end. None is righteous. It's only the blood of Jesus. But why the people of God were in exile about 80% of the Old Testament, if you'd like to talk to me about that and counter that position, I'd love to hear your exegesis of the scriptures. Though he loved them, and Paul was one of them, the chosen people, the man was a murderer. What happened? Today, one verse, and I'm going to quote a few others just verbatim, but one verse. Second Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 15. Second Corinthians 12:15. This guy was so transformed over time that he wrote two extremely long, extremely detailed letters to one of the most, ready, gifted, blessed churches in a horrible pagan land. Bunch of cities all packed together. I'm not going to go into all that detail today, but you can study Corinth and the Corinthian church forever. I mean, it just there's, it's never ending. It was an absolute, horrible, immoral, godless, idol, idolatrous, messed up culture. It reminds me of the United States of America. But, you know, what do I know? You want to talk about opioid addiction? Very nice, clean-cut, very conservative-looking people who work nine-to-five jobs are flipping addicts all over this country. They don't look like this. They ain't got no tattoo on their arm like I do. They're upstanding. They drive nice cars. How many people have been killed Because a guy's in three-piece suits. You ever thought about that? Oh, I know when the stock market crashed, it was all the poor folks and the immigrants. That's who brought on the recession. Am I getting leftist enough for you? Wake up and smell the coffee. Paul the Apostle. The one who was sent. Who sent him? He had an encounter with the living God, and he finally got to a place of spiritual maturity where he actually could write to a church that was so full of immorality and stupidity and pettiness, people getting drunk, people out of order. People, the place was, I mean, this is not what you'd call the most mature church. Let's all emulate the way they're doing things, you know, their attitudes, their character, or the way they live out their Christianity. And he writes them two long, gracious, but very detailed letters trying to set things right that are so twisted and wrong. And he finally comes to the point where he makes that incredible statement. I will gladly spend, I should have Dan, next time, let me preach this right before the offering. I'm joking. I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Who's the you he's talking to? You just heard it without a whole lot of detail. And there's plenty of detail if you want to dig into that. The Corinthian church was a train wreck and a lousy witness of Christ. They're not exactly the sterling church in the New Testament. And he writes two long letters. And he says at one point, hey, this is the third time I'm coming to you. And boy, the end of this chapter, whoa, there's a long list. I've been a fool, he writes, but you forced me to it. You know, because I sound like I'm bragging on me and the other apostles. And we've come here to serve you. And now we've you know and you think we're defending ourselves and he goes another incredible statement he makes in the, in the course of this text i don't want yours i want you i don't care about the money it's you think i'm talking about finances and he was he was re- he was referring to the financial issue he was ties and offerings you know, an old dear saint, you know what she told me once? Incredible woman of God. She said, this is horrible, but it's the truth. If you have their wallet, you have their heart. She's talking about the church. He just made an off, just an off statement, just boom. I thought, wow. And she was not a prosperity lady at all. You didn't buy into the, the insanity of, you know, more, more, more in Jesus' name. More money, more wealth, more comfort so I can drive a bigger car and live in a nicer house. Now, she was the antithesis of that, the complete opposite. She just made a statement. She said, you know, and you see the guy coming in with the big three-piece suit and driving the big car, and his wife is perfect, perfect teeth, hair. I'm telling you, in most Pentecostal churches, that, that, that guy's gonna get a mega offering. The guy that hadn't shaved, uh, by the way, I, I, I didn't shave this morning on purpose. I'm wearing my Crocs on purpose. I got a nice pair of shoes. You know, the Lord had me go to Moody one time with jeans, silver boots, and a black leather jacket because I just decided it was. I'm like, are you sure? Because normally I tuck my ponytail in and put on a sport jacket and try to, you know, straighten up for these folks. You know, and I'm not kidding you. The Lord said, nope. I'm like, am I hearing you? Said, no, they got to wake up. I want you to be an object lesson. It's not always enjoyable being an object lesson, trust me. But you have to love people more and not worry about them loving you back. And that's where Paul's coming from. I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Now, in business, there's a phrase. And I am so afraid, and I've seen it in my 64 years. I've been a Christian walking with the Lord for 46 And I have been all over this world, everywhere but Asia and the Far East, everywhere else, countless times, and in every stream of the church imaginable. And a few you might not be able to imagine. And there's this phrase in business, and it really comes down to economics. And I'm no economics major, and I'm sure not a business person or an admin guy. But that phrase is return for investment. Return for investment. If I invest this much, I expect this much back. Or I ain't going to do it. Now, depending on your theology, either Jesus died for everyone and not all are going to be saved, or only died for those who are going to be saved. And I can understand both positions. I can. And you know the one I like? If you earn it, I'll give you some time. That's the one I like. My natural DNA is you pay the price and I'll invest. Let's see the fruit of the spirit is love. What's that got to do with that? Agape, God's love, joy, Let's see, which fruit of the spirit's being manifested right now? Peace, patience, oh, there it is, patience, return for investment. How about, how about the parable when Jesus says, remember when he talks about the, the fig tree, there wasn't any fruit on it? And it, Jesus is telling the story. Take it up with him. Jesus says, uh, there's no fruit on this fig tree. Cut it down and the ser- don't miss this the servant i am among you as one who serves well done you good and faithful hmm the servant says no 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 lord let me tend it and dig around and and nurture it fertilize it little tlc little little focus and little work, give it a year. And if in the year it doesn't bear fruit, then cut it down. You know the word grace means unmerited favor, don't you? Unearned. Uh uh-uh, Return for investment I want more sermons on grace. I want more revelation on grace. I want grace for myself, my wife, my kids, my grandkids, my local church, my friend, that guy over there, the other neighbor. (laughs) Lord, should we pray that you rain fire down on them? You don't know what spirit you're of. An immature Christian and an immature church an immature leadership and self-centered, self-focused earn it, or get off my property. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faith, faithfulness. I was the dope dealer in my neighborhood. I was the guy you wouldn't want to take your daughter out on a date. I was the vandal who broke into your car and stole anything of any value. I was the guy who, as a young kid on a paper route with my buddy, snuck into the joint after we did our route, pitch black at three in the morning, four in the morning. We weren't even supposed to be out there breaking the child labor laws as if we cared. Who stole all of the Concord grapes, ate as many as we could, and then went a few blocks down and absolutely polka dotted the guy's white house, two-story white house that he just put siding on. I was the guy who'd go down your alley and pick up a trash can, throw the lid off and throw the thing up on your roof and watch it bounce and garbage fly everywhere. You're looking at him. I was your worst enemy. I was the brat, nasty kid you'd want to... Where is the salt in my 12-gauge? You know, let's let's reload some of these shells and pepper one of these knucklehead kids, you know? Where's the return for investment? I don't want yours but you. <laughs> He's telling a bunch of Corinthians and the lousy... Train wreck, Corinthian. Well, let me let me put some feet on this for you. you know, give and it shall be given unto you. But don't worry about it being given unto you. Just give. What a concept. Sow reap. That's it, right? Well, if that's it, we're all going to hell. If we can't earn our salvation no matter what good we sow. It's the mercy and the grace of God. Where's your mercy and grace to the least of these in your neighborhood, in your block, in St. Louis? What if you're an immigrant? Well, please, Glenn, you have to be practical. I am. I'm a child of immigrants. Most of the state of Wisconsin's a bunch of, you know, we had like fifty-eight POW camps in World War in the state of Wisconsin. Eighty percent of them were Germans. Often the farmers spoke fluent German in the six, seven, eight different dialects during the war, and there'd be eighteen guys working the cornfield, and at lunchtime the couple of American guards with the M sixteens and the POWs. The mama would come out, the you know, of the house, the the wife and uh, the farmer, and say, "Come on in, you know. Aben midtak essen. It's a midday meal, you know. Come on, come, come, come. Mach And they'd all come in, and often what happened was the that housefrau, that mama who would cooked an incredible meal and they, they had a lot of the German delicacies and cooking the, the, the cake and all the rest, of it. Would, would scold the Americans, put those M16s in the corner, nobody's going anywhere. Sit down. And the guys would have to sit there Well, they'd be, all of them, so, Munchen, you're from Munich, you know, the, 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 do you know so and so, whatever, what's going on, you know, tell me about the situation. And all of a sudden people started to relax. Very few of these people were Nazis or SS. Most of them were conscripted in the German army. Interesting what grace can do. But then that makes you vulnerable and hurting people hurt others, which means now you have to deny yourself and pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus even when the rest of the church thinks you're nuts. What are you putting your neck on the block dealing with people like that for? Because I was people like that once. Paul got it. I will gladly spend and be spent for your sakes. Now, is Jehovah Jireh, is my provider my provider, or isn't he? Oh, well, let's talk again about faith. Faith. But hang on to what's mine like a dog with a bone, and don't you dare ask me to share a thing because you haven't earned it. I know what you're earning with that attitude, and it's not grace or compassion. And until you repent of sin, you can't be forgiven. Now, incredible stuff. You look through that chapter. I mean, Paul says, I'm afraid when I come to you, Corinthians, there's going to be immorality and anger and slander and gossip and people won't repent for the the many horrible things that they've done and the attitudes in their heart. And my God will basically humble me before you. Because I'm going to see all sorts of disorder and sin rife among you. Look at it. Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, backbiting, whispering, conceits, tumults. Sound like a beautiful place to worship on Sunday, doesn't it? Yeah, I can't wait to show up in their house, church. That's going to be some meal. Who do we get to gossip about today? I will gladly spend and be spent for those kind of people? Yeah, exactly. On target, boom, three points at the buzzer. You nailed it, you won, you get it. God help us to get it. I don't want yours but you. I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls, for your sakes. I must increase, he must decrease. Love God, love neighbor. I don't get to tell my neighbor that he's not or she's not worth my investment. Come on, that's American capitalism. It's not scripture. It's not God's word. He who knew no sin, and we can't say that about any of us, even as believers, as followers of Jesus, we don't just make mistakes. You believe in entire sanctification? All liars, you better not take communion this morning. You know, some repentance and even before you start doing that. Don't play that game. None is righteous. It's only the righteousness of Christ. All we like sheep continue to go astray. And I think it's absolutely true when we talk about return for investment. That's the kind of businessman who will say, no, that person's got a record. I'm not going to cut him slack. I, I don't want him in our church. I don't want him to swim in a pool with my kids or my grandkids. And I'm sure not going to offer him a job. Great. They'll go right back to dealing dope or prostitution. Very easy. The church wants to disown them, wants to spit on them, wants to look down their self-righteous noses at them. Don't you get it? I can't imagine. Why are these people burning down their homes? Because a white slumlord won't do a thing to keep the place safe. The roof leaks. It's freezing in the winter. Hotter than Hades in the summer. There are rats and roaches. The plumbing's messed up. They're dirt poor. They're the wrong color. And guess who owns the joint? Somebody that lives a few states over who owns a whole lot of those joints. And finally, these people who don't know Jesus, so they're not going to act like they do, what did you expect? When you see foolishness and pettiness and anger and rage among Christian people, what do you expect among the unbelievers? Something else? Something less? And so they started to burn their own buildings. Is it right? No. Am I saying it's godly and holy? No, I'm saying sin produces more sin. And it's not the sin of the unbelievers I worry about. It's the sin of the church. It's the sin of the people who need to learn to spend and be spent for people of very little personal benefit coming back to you. They're people that you consider of less value. They are probably predestined to damnation anyway. And of course, you have a copy of the Lamb's Book of Life in your home, so you already know who's going to make it and who isn't, right? Self-righteousness is not the righteousness of Christ. False judgment is not a word of wisdom and knowledge from the holy ghost according to the word of god God's idea of stewardship I mean this is one of the big funnel downs I've been preaching and teaching this for years Well Glenn don't you understand stewardship of the lord's money Yeah but we're not talking about the lord's money we're talking about your money <laughs> Come on. Hey, you just tried to do a shell game, man. You can't con an old con. I used to gamble as well a fair bit. I usually won. And right when I had all the money I could get, I picked it all up, said, thanks, boys. And they'd be, hey, the game's over for me. (laughs) I'm out the door. Oh, yeah. I played that game. In business, they call that corporate rating. Monopolies, legal loopholes. From whence come wars and fightings among you, come that hence of your lusts at war and your members you want to have. You can't get it. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm talking about Wall Street. I'm talking about Main Street. I'm talking about corporations and corporate people. There are godly committed Christians, but there are absolute Despots, demonized, self centered, megamaniacs who are running a lot of the things that, that have been run, not just in this nation, in this world. Come on, study human history. And more is never enough. The eye is not satisfied with the seeing, nor the ear with the hearing. And money equals power, and we need more, not less. I'm, I will gladly spend and be spent, and especially for these people, the dregs. Yeah. Yeah. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through him. The one who was utterly pure, utterly loving, and and not in any way, I find no fault in him. He does all things well. I don't. We don't. We'd better start being honest and, and a lot more humble. So the fear and the anger the fear and the anger. Let's see, which fruit of the spirit is fear? Is that one of the nine? Did I, is there a tenth fruit of the spirit? It's rage? Well, no, that's no, righteous indignation. He was stealing my cucumbers. I mean, I just, I, just a little warning shot. What's the big deal? Yeah. I wouldn't know anything about stealing cucumbers, watermelons, or anything else as a kid in the country, small towns. No, no. A thief comes not except to rob and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have a life. Is that life manifested through you and me? Are we able to say from our hearts, I will gladly spend and be spent for your sakes? Are we able to say like Paul eventually said, this floors me every time I think of it. You love your neighbor as your, and the second, love God with all your, and the second, is just like, you shall just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commands, laws, are hung all the law and the prophets. And the church is hung, and I mean hung, and hung up right there. Grace unmerited, unearned, unworthy. And we are unyielding. And we wonder why people hate the church. We wonder why people judge harshly the Christians in our nation. And you want to say, well, it's all politics. Well, that's what they told me in South Africa. You know, the white folks that lived five minutes from the black neighborhood townships and didn't have the guts to go in and meet the committed, godly, incredibly patient, forgiving, loving, black Christians in Soweto and Alexandra. And I had to drag my white hosts in mega churches with money coming out their ears, and you see hundreds of women with their kids dressed up in the morning one spigot, and they line up to clean up and take public transit or jump onto groups, you know, with six, eight people in a, in a truck to make it into the white neighborhoods to serve people in their rich homes. And I wrote a song about apartheid called Afrikaans and another one called Sudafrikaans. God made the color. But the color doesn't make you God. And in the judgment he will remember the ones you've robbed. Book of James, your riches are moth-eaten, your gold. Howl. This is a nation that needs to repent. Yes, And judgment will begin at the house of God. And a whole lot of it has to do with prejudice, racism. And really it has to do with the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. If this message offends you and you want to pull a trigger on me, I'm right here. I'm right here. You will shed blood to defend yourself and selfishness I'm no pacifist I'm a pretty good shot but again and again I pray God if it ever happens it's one thing to defend my wife and kids and somebody in the street but as for myself help me to have the courage to not do what the natural man does I'll take you out so quick you won't know what hit you And then how do I proclaim the love of Jesus to you? It's a real problem. It's a real tension. They're not worthy. I will gladly, gladly. What's that all about? Not just spend and be spent for you, but I'll gladly spend and be spent my life that you might know him, that you might be with him, that you might be part of the kingdom that we'll be together in eternity. Is that your heart toward the least of these, toward your enemies? I'm not saying you don't have real enemies. So Paul is literally spending himself, his time, money, effort, loving concern for the welfare of the souls of one of the most blemished churches in the New Testament. church we can scream and howl about our fears and outrage and politics and the nation is going to hell in a handbasket. When will we be able to say though poor yet making many rich? Now one more thing. So when we cajoled, and demanded our white hosts take us into Soweto, for example, they met Cesar Molobazzi. Cesar Molobazzi was a hardcore militant, as in guns and bombs and violent communist, full on, I mean full blown, a very black African man who decided this country has to be liberated and there's no other way. And even the white, the white Christians, they don't get it. And so we have, to, we have to take it into our own hands. Well, Caesar, when he was a kid, about 10 years old, was walking along a road and a white, happened to be a white Afrikaner, Dutch Reform folks. By the way, they, the Dutch Reform Church in, in Holland and the Netherlands dis- disowned them and cut fellowship, excommunicated the, the South Dutch Reform Church many years back, because essentially, they got into this manifest destiny concept that they, the, South Af- the white Afrikaner, D- Dutch you know, uh, heritage people, were the new Israel and the people of God. And the rest of these savages, they're just savages. Now, if you study mission history, boy, does that repeat itself all over the place and certain in the history of missions from this country. That's the sick truth. I mean, let's... Okay. Can we just not be honest? Can we can we not just cut to the, the, the chase and deal with the realities of our lives and our history and our culture? We've done a lot of me- wonderful things. We've done a lot of miserable things. Well, anyway, these guys... You know, they ruled and ran, and apartheid was in full swing. And anyway, this little kid's walking along the road, and a white Afrikaner driving a nice Mercedes comes around a curb and Caesar's along the side, close to the ditch, but not in it, until the guy hit him. Popped him right up and dropped him right in the ditch, unconscious. Next thing Caesar knew, he woke up in some low grade, hole in the wall, blacks only hospital. It went to court. Caesar's father took the man to court. His father was a pretty intelligent man. They went to court. And I can almost tell you verbatim, word for word, the white, wealthy Afrikaner said it was either my car or him. And the judge said, dismissed. That is when Caesar began to become... A hardcore, hateful, bitter, com- and eventually full-on communist, militant communist. Long story short, Caesar gets saved. I mean radically, miraculously, comes to know Jesus Christ, the white man's God, as it were, as his Lord and Savior. And everything changes. His whole heart, his whole attitude. And God starts working on Caesar. So Caesar starts a group called Youth Alive in the middle of the biggest South African black ghetto, Soweto, yeah. Well, we brought our white hosts in, five minutes from there. Mega wealthy, mega church. These people had never been in the township, never been anywhere near it. We finally shamed them into taking us in. You need to meet Caesar. We go in. And you know what Caesar tells us? Well, we got a bakery, and we did this, we started that, and little by little got some people, some black business people to invest, and every now and then the English among the whites, there's a lot of, you know, the Boer Wars, the fighting between the English whites and the Afrikaner, Dutch descent uh, whites. It, It still goes on to this day. But there was just enough money that he was able to do a bunch of these things, and all of a sudden he's taking the kids that are huffing glue and prostituting themselves and all the rest of it, And they start to come to Jesus. They get freed from drug addiction whatnot. Teaches them a job. He He said, what can we pray for you for, Caesar, and for your movement? And they're doing all kinds of other stuff. I can't get into it today. But he says this. He goes, the problem is, is after about a year, they get saved. They get healed. They get filled with the spirit. They learn a trade. They do really well. They win awards for their work. And they don't understand the importance of becoming downwardly mobile. And we, went, we started, uh, we think we know what, we're done, downwardly mobile? Yeah, they all want to move completely out of Soweto and get a better and better paying job in a really nice, wealthy, white neighborhood. And they don't care about the kids just like they were. And they don't care about the pain and the misery And they won't invest right here in Soweto as healed, saved, committed Christians who love the people more than the money, more than the safety, more than the acceptance. They're more concerned about And I don't mean in a rebellious sense because you can absolutely go that way with this. I've seen plenty. I know plenty that have have done it. They worry more about the praise of man than the praise of God. They want people to accept them to the point where what God thinks about what they do with their life and their time, well, he doesn't care. In fact, I know he's called me to to do this because this is the safe And good life. Please preach another sermon on grace. Tell me how much I'm loved. That all my sins are under the blood. And I basically get to sit in the patch and wait for harvest. And I go home to bliss and glory untold. Some old preacher once said, You know what God thinks of gold? The streets of heaven are made out of it. We're going to walk on it. Paul says these words to the Corinthians and a whole lot of us, and I say it to you. (laughs) I wish I could say it 100%, right? I admit to you I can't say it 100%. You are my joy and my crown. Paul was able to say that he was on the planet for the sake of his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and broken, rejected, hurting, mean, nasty, lonely, self-centered, self-righteous, immoral, messed up, mentally ill, demonized, violent, how many times was he beaten? You ever wonder why Paul's wandering around with Dr. Luke all the time? Gets the tar kicked out of him to the point they think he's dead so his persecutors go back into town. Paul, can you see the picture of the, the, the disciples with him? Like, uh, martyred, right? He's, he's, with, he's home, he's gone with Jesus. Paul comes to, gets up, and goes right back into that town. I will gladly spend and be spent for your sakes, for your soul, for your relationship to the true God. You have got to know one real Christian, one real gathering of believers who follow, who love you more than their own wealth or their own safety, their own prosperity, who put aside the fear which is not a gift or a fruit of of the Spirit of God whatsoever, who will put aside the meanness and the anger and the rage. Man, I understand. Trust me, I understand. The natural man wants control. And God, the Holy Spirit, says, let go. Give it up. Vulnerable. Don't be stupid, but expose yourself to loving people that nobody wants to know, whether they're in or outside the church and know for sure there's going to be a lot of immature believers, and they might be 70 or 17, and they're still immature as can be, and they'll judge you. That doesn't mean you jump into bed with the people and be part of their sinful life. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't belly up to the bar and get loaded with people so I can witness to the alcoholic. You are my joy and my crown. I will gladly spend and be spent for you. I don't want yours. I want you. Maybe that's why God, the Spirit, wrote most of the New Testament through Paul. He wants to write through you and me. He wants to sing and speak and fix a car and deliver some food. And take cookies to that old ornery widower who never mows his lawn. And you're, you're almost afraid he's going to come out the door and blow you away if you offer him a plate of cookies. Because he's such a mean, incorrigible, hurting, hurting people hurt others. Yeah, it might happen. You might go home. You could get, you'll be in the next installment of Fox's Book of Martyrs. And God loved and reached out through you to others. You got a problem with that? That's a problem? I sacrificed position and wealth and fame and even the respect of the church. And in South Africa, when I started talking about this sort of stuff, they said politics. I've been an independent voter for 35 years. I don't fit anybody's paradigm. Because I think folks on both ends of the spectrum are idiots, and and stupid, and unscriptural, and self-centered, and focused on what they're going to get or not get out of the deal. But very few people understand and are willing to pay the price of sowing not to reap, but sowing in mercy, you thought of was a fool, naive, ignorant. Maybe a communist. Well, actually, I do live in a very large intentional Christian community. My wife and I live in one room. Every check has a different... It's not my name on those checks. They go back to the community. I live a simple life because there are people out there who hate the church, who think we're all a bunch of idiots. And I'm trying so hard to bust through that nonsense. And I don't do it perfectly. And there are days I just want to deck people. But I sit there at Cook County Jail or in the prisons in Ohio, death row, that's somebody's son, somebody's daughter. They're the least of the least of these. I was in prison, you came to me. Return for investment? I don't really care if I'm in a shack. (laughs) How many stars are in my crown? Are you kidding me? (laughs) As long as I'm in there when the door gets shut, that's the end of that. Thank you so much. I'm home with my Lord, you know. Everything else is just cake. I want to bring as many folks along with me as I can. You know, those kind of people. People don't have any worth or value. That's what love looks like. Father God, help us to be able to say and not just the words, and not just right here on the moment when maybe we're being touched in our emotion, and not so we can feel better about being convicted of our, of our guilt, of our lack of compassion, of our lack of agape love offered to the, the hard, the demonized, the mean, the harsh. These are some of the hardest things that you've ever spoken in my own life. And if I'm dead and my life is hidden with you and God, then I'm dead. I mean, it's all over. It was over when I said yes. to you, to follow you as Lord and Savior. and So I pray for grace for my brothers and sisters because I don't know what you're doing in each of their lives, the stirring you're trying to bring, you're trying to bring. I don't mean now, I mean next week, next month. When they encounter or have opportunity or they begin to see and hear with your eyes and ears the, 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 the enemies, the poor, the rejected, the outcasts, the not like us, God, help us to respond not with fear and anger. And even among the church, oh my, when we want to lift ourselves up above each other and we want to bad rap and quack about the messed up church on the other side of the block or the other part of town. Bring us to the place of godliness, of holiness, of love of thoughtful, not stupid, but thoughtful compassion, how we can serve and be a blessing and a gift. Let our prayers for local churches go beyond prayer. Help us to be able to say, with Paul, I will gladly spend and be spent for your sakes. We can never return your investment. It's absolutely impossible. Thank you for investing in us. That others might come and taste and see that you're good. Father, please have mercy and forgive us. In Jesus' name, amen.